Antioch from the first mission journey through Asia Minor and the little island of, Pat, of Cyprus. And they were chased down by stalkers. <laughs> you remember that? There was like the people, there was this group of, of Jewish zealots that were chasing them about, wanting to kill them. Well, just causing them a lot of problems, including killing or trying to kill them. And Paul almost did die through stoning, you know, throwing large rocks and you know, brick-like things at him to kill him. And they thought they were successful, but he, because of God's grace, didn't die. He probably kind of hoped he would have died because to be in heaven is a lot more beneficial to him than staying here and having to be chased about. But we need Paul to be on earth. We need, God wanted Paul to stay on earth to continue his work because his work, his mission wasn't done yet. But um, it's okay. They had a really positive attitude about it because their interest was to make disciples for Christ. And you know what? Hey, big deal. We got stones. Who cares? We're going to make disciples for Christ, and that's worth it. What an attitude. What a perspective. I mean, if only everyone can have that kind of mentality. You know what? Satan might want to rip me off every day. And the thing is, I hate to say, if you you claim to be Christian, I mean, like a Bible-believing, following Christian, which I would call a disciple, personally. That's why I like the word disciple. If you want to consider yourself a disciple of Christ, then know that that the spiritual warfare is going to come after you in all kinds of ways. And and a lot of times it's very subtle. The reason why it's subtle is because Satan doesn't want us to feel the warfare. You see, if we feel the warfare, we can identify the warfare. And say, ah, yeah, if, if people are going to come after me and the police and the lawyers and this and that and the sticks and the stones, then we could say, well, we can identify that as warfare. But Satan doesn't want us to identify warfare because then he, we'll just get strong. Yeah, come get us, Satan, because we've got God on our side. So what he likes to do for a lot of us, I would say for the majority of us, is he likes to keep the spiritual warfare subtle, really subtle, really subtle. You know, bad attitudes discouragement, you know, divisive, bitter attitudes towards other people, depression, anxiety, all those things that kind of just slowly eat away at us like a cancer. That's what Satan wants to do first. But if we're strong enough to resist that, well, then rest assured the other ones will come as well eventually. But they're okay. They can handle it because, you see, it's all worth it because they want to live the life of Christ. They want to see disciples. They want to see people being encouraged. And that's what they did. They went through, they made disciples, and they came back. Even though they were beat up and chased away from these towns, they came back to encourage the disciples. But now they're back home. And all is well. Because when you're home, everything's perfect, right? Oh, I don't know. Next slide, please. So Paul and Barnabas, they, they're at Antioch for just a brief moment, really. And then they have to go to Jerusalem to deal with this issue. Um, and the issue is a, um, a doctrinal issue. It's, 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 it's what the, the, the church ought to believe and ought to teach. And this issue is about a, a ritual or a, a ceremony that was practiced amongst the Jews before them. And of course, the Christians are basically just 
Jews who've become Christians. They've started to follow the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so they have a question, what, about, what, what, what do we keep from the good old days? And that's, the, that's, and that's a legitimate question. But I think when we look at this question, we look at the heart of the question, the heart and the nature of this, this, this tradition. We see that what God's doing with us is a lot different. Through Jesus Christ, our relationship with God has changed and transformed to something completely different. It no longer is about a list of things to do and don't do. It's not about rituals and ceremonies and sacrifices and legalism. But it's about a relationship. And you see, if, if that's what God's doing now with the church then how do we put a list and do's and don'ts on it? Now, Paul did do a fair amount of lists in his epistles. However, he, he did it because he wanted to show people what the kingdom of heaven looks like and what the kingdom of heaven doesn't look like. You know, I mean, he didn't want to, to make another Ten Commandments. What he wants to do is he wants to encourage people to follow God with their whole hearts and their whole minds and love God. But he had to make some lists to show people, by the way, you think you're walking with the Lord, but you're not. And this is how we can kind of see that. You think you're walking with and the Lord. And people, if you're walking with the Lord and you're worried, am I doing all right? Well, well here's some examples of what this kingdom of heaven looks like. And we see these lists like, for instance, in 1 Corinthians and Galatians. Um, but, okay, here we are. They're in Antioch. And they're getting sent out to Jerusalem to deal with this issue. So in verse 1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch. And we're teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That's a strong statement, okay? That's a strong statement. You cannot be saved unless you are... And by the way, it isn't just the issue of circumcision. And the funny thing is, I mean, these guys, it's not that they loved circumcision. I mean, how can you love something like that? They hated it. But the thing is, they wanted other people to feel their pain, so to speak. So, like, it's no fair. You know, why did Moses and why did Abraham and why do I, but yet these Gentiles are free from it? And so what they want to do is they want to put their burden on other people. And it's not just about the circumcision, by the way, guys. It's about the second principle. And the thing is, we get caught up in the, in the, the talk of circumcision. But it's more than that. It's strongly attached to this customs, customs taught by Moses, the law, the Old Testament, the old ways, the legalism, the ceremony. That's what they're really interested in. It's like we don't want to get rid of those old ways, these, these, literal, these legalistic rituals and ceremonies. The circumcision's a part of it, but it's about the bondage, as Paul is going to call it later on, of the law that is, that is ill-effective. Okay, so there's the issue. So they, they brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and, and Samaria, they, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This made all the believers, believers, <laughs> the believers very glad. And, the, and the, it should make you glad. And the thing is, I think these, I think these, these, these disciples who had this issue, uh, some of them were, were genuine. Like, what do we do about this? But others were, as we see, were, were troublemakers. And they, and, and they didn't like the freedom that Christ brought to, to many people. And, and there's a, a term and that, that a lot of people ascribe to those people, and they're called the Judaizers. They, 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 they weren't happy with the decision that was going to be made here today. 
They weren't happy. You know, they, they want to strip trouble. And Paul will deal with them as well. But this is a genuine question. They're glad. The genuine believers who have genuine doubts. What about the, the customs? What about these things? What do we do with them? There's a, there's a genuine question. But there's also the trouble. Okay, we're not dealing with the trouble yet. We're, gen, we're dealing with the genuine. And they were glad. Yes, praise God. The Gentiles, praise God. People all over the world are getting saved. Awesome. God is good. But what about these customs? So in verse 4, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders and to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Next slide, please. And some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, okay, guys, let's get to the issue at hand. The Gentiles must be circumcised and, and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, first of all, look at where they come from. So we understand that they have, and Paul came from the Pharisees as well, you know, but, but Paul had to be broken of, of the old, those old legalistic ways. And so do these other people. Now, whether, they, they, bear in mind, they are believers, but they came from the, the way of the Pharisees. And so, you know, for them, they worked very, very hard, and they were accustomed to an old school kind of religion. And, and sometimes those old ways are hard to break. You know, if you practice certain things and you've grown up in a certain denomination or a certain, you know, worldview, atheistic, secular, whatever, it's sometimes hard to break away completely. And it's like when you start to, when it comes upon you, like, oh, wait, those are the old ways I need to walk away from. It feel like a piece of you dies. So I, I have sympathy with the, these Pharisees who are now believers because they were brought up and taught in really harsh legalistic ways. And they were proud, and they used to pride themselves of being able to maintain very legalistic lifestyles. And now they're told, grace, those old legalistic ways are of no value. That must have felt like a little bit of them died inside. And so I do sympathize with them. But God's doing something new and fresh. And I think, and I think Paul dealt with this very mercifully as well. And we're going to see how mercifully and how wonderfully he dealt with this situation. So here's the statement. The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law. Like I said, it's not just about circumcision. It's also about keeping the law of Moses, this legalism. Okay? That's the, the, the issue at hand. Circumcision is just a part of it. And so the apostles and the elders met to consider the question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. So again, we've always counted the cost that maybe, just maybe, the Gentiles, the people of the world, might hear about Jesus and, and receive him. So we knew that this was always going to be a possibility. In verse 8, God knows the hearts showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them. So because their hearts were open to God, he gave them salvation, he gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, which means God's now living with these people, just as he does with us, these Jewish converts, basically. So these Jewish people who have received their Messiah, Jesus Christ, and are walking with God and having a disciplined life, disciples with God, they're seeing that these Gentiles are doing it as well. And God knows their hearts. And he gave them the Holy Spirit. So God's in this. This is a part of God's plan and God's will. So we have to make a decision. What do we do here? Verse 9, he did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, and there's some key terms here. Okay, there's key terms here. And one of them, the key terms is faith. Faith, faith, faith. Okay? 
So now then, why do they try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke? A yoke, you know what that means? That means a great big heavy burden, okay? Why are we going to weigh these guys down with something that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Guys, let's get real with ourselves. Like I said before, they didn't love circumcision of the law of Moses. They hated it because it was a burden. It made them feel miserable about themselves. But misery loves company. And you know what? We had to suffer with this. Let's make the Gentiles suffer a little bit. It's like the whole initiation kind of mentality. Oh, good. Let's see how they fare with it because we are miserable at it. But you think God loves that kind of mentality? No. God says, no, 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 guys. No, 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 guys. We're doing something new here. And that's what he says in verse 11. No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Guys, bottom line is we can't do this thing called the law, Moses, and, and all this stuff, this legalism. We can't do it. We couldn't do it. And we should never expect others to do it as well. So it's really about grace, and it's about faith. Next slide. But like I said, um, they're, they're going to come to an agreement, and the agreement's going to be, I think, quite, quite graceful, quite wonderful. But they're, like I said, there's always going to be this people. There's always going to be these people who are going to not be satisfied with what God's doing. And they're going to want to shout. And they're going to want to resist. They're going to want to fight. And, and, and what they come up with a lot of times is what we refer to as heresies, which means not right teachings of the church. They're, they're bogus teaching of the church. And the Judaizers, they, 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 they wanted to push this point. And they, they weren't happy with the resolution that the, that the Jewish or the, um, the council here in Jerusalem came up with. And, and they resisted. So here we have more insight of what Paul, because Paul has to deal with these Judaizers. And so he, he brings up the issue again in Galatians. And matter of fact, the whole book of Galatians is about this issue. Okay? Galatians 3 is where he really nails it. In Galatians 3, he really gets to the nitty-gritty of what the, the, the issue is about circumcision and the law versus what God's really doing. And let's read it quickly. And, and I highlighted certain key words to kind of get in our heads you know, what is going on here. So in verse one of Galatians three, it says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I love this. He starts it off by looking at Jesus Christ. Clearly, your very eyes have seen Jesus Christ. He was crucified. So you gotta think, what does that even mean? What's that all about this Jesus crucified business? Well, he's gonna get to it in a moment. But he starts by thinking, Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. Why did he die on the cross? If it's all about living the life of Moses and the book of Moses, and, and, and if it's all about the legalism and it's all about the circumcision, then why did Jesus die? Okay, so now that's in the back of our head. Let's move on. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard? So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and the work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by believing what you've heard. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Going on, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under curse. Okay, so the problem, historically speaking, of living according to these rituals and laws and legalism is it doesn't work. It just condemns you. It's a curse. Okay, so why do you want to bring a curse back into the beautiful thing that God's given to you? As is written, curses everyone who does not continue to do every written, everything 
written in the book of the law. So if you want to live by the law, you have to be perfect. So as soon as you, as soon as you do one thing wrong, it's over. You just, that's it. You, just, you can't do anything about it. It's done. You failed. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. There's the issue. It's about faith. The law is not based on faith. Again, the faith is about trusting and having a relationship with God. The law isn't about that. The law is really hard. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of a law by becoming a curse for us. See, when we see Christ portrayed on the cross, what we're seeing is the Son of God being made a curse for us. The law, all it does is curse us. So what do we do with our failures? What do we do? What, something has to happen to our failures, our inability to keep the law. Well, if we're not cursed, where does the cursing go? The cursing went on Jesus when he died on the cross. So now we're getting a picture of what the whole significance of the Christ on the cross is all about. We are cursed without Christ. We sin, we blow it, we're cursed. But where does our guilt, where does that cursing go? It went on the cross with Christ. Christ redeemed us, in verse 13, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith, not by circumcision, not by the law, but by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through, again, faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave. Remember how he talked about there's no distinction. He's in agreement. He's, re, he's opening. He's, 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 he's building on these ideas. There's no distinction. God looks at the hearts of men. So it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We're all one in Christ. Christ loves us all and he sees us all as one. And it's by faith that we receive his spirit because of his wonderful grace. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs, according to the promise. So it's not about the law. It's not about this circumcision business. Next slide, please. So back in Acts 16. Did I say Acts 15? This whole time we've been in 16, haven't we? Or are we in 15? Oh, no, no, we are in 15. I, I'm going to briefly touch on 16. I'm sorry, I confused myself. <sighs> Freedom, not legalism. Okay, here's where things get interesting. So what then do we do about... Because the thing is, in church... We, there's still quite a lot of ceremonial things that we do, like communion and baptism, stuff like that, and weddings and funerals. So what about them? Do we just reject them altogether? No, we don't have a legalistic attitude about them. We have a free, you know what I'm saying? A, a liberal or free mentality or attitude about them. See, in Acts 16.3, something interesting happens. Look what Paul does here. Paul wanted to take Timothy along with them on their journey, okay, as they leave. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So wait a second. Paul just made this decision. Paul's obviously on a rant and a rave in Galatians about not succumbing to circumcision law, but yet he recommended this young fellow Timothy to be circumcised. Why? 
Because you see, it isn't about circumcision leading to faith or relationship to God. He said, you know what? I want to keep this from being an issue from reaching the gospel. And for Paul, it's not about legalism. It's about freedom. If this is going to trip us up from being effective for Christ, let's just do it now and get over with. But it has nothing to do with salvation. So it's not about legalism. It's about freedom. He's got the freedom to be circumcised or not. And so you do too if you want to. (laughs) You have the freedom to do it or not. But it's not going to make you even more better Christian. So why did he do this? In 1 Corinthians 9, this explains why. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. See, because of freedom. Paul says, I am free. I don't have to do these things. But sometimes I choose to. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. See, he's free. He doesn't have to be anyone's slave, but because he loves Jesus, he loves people, and he loves the gospel, he has chose to submit, to make himself a slave so he can reach as many people as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew, to win the Jew. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. This is what happened here with with young Timothy. Listen, we don't have to. We're under this law, but you know what? If we can win people for Christ by just not having to deal with this issue, let's just do it. Are you okay with it? Uh, Okay, if I must, you know, whatever. I mean, how do you respond to that question, you know? Okay, whatever. So to those who to those not having the law, I've become like those not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under God's or under Christ's law. That's something to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about it later, though, because that's a really interesting concept. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might have some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. So it's not about being legalistic. Doing this, doing that, going to church at this time and doing this, being baptized at the right time and child dedications and all this. It's not about those things. That's not what makes you right with God. I'm glad you do it. I'm glad you have the freedom to do these things. I hope you enjoy it and I hope it's meaningful and I hope it actually expresses your faith in a really beautiful, wonderful, expressive way. Because you see, you're free to not preach the gospel to your friends and your family. You're free to do that. But Paul says... I have the freedom to, do, to not preach the gospel, but I choose to do it because for me it's very important. In fact, I don't think Paul would feel complete because I think he was called. If Paul refused to preach the gospel because of his freedom, I think he'd be pretty sad. But you see, Paul understood the, the, the risk of being killed. But for him, there's no other way. I have to. And you know what? If issues like these law things, I'll also come to him for a moment just so I can get a person to hear the gospel. But, he's, but it's not about, it doesn't affect his relationship with God whatsoever. It's about him relating to people. His relationship with God is free from the ceremony. But his relationship with people, sometimes he has to do certain things. Next, next slide. So this is real circumcision, guys. Romans 2, verse 25. Circumcision has no value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you have not been circumcised. In verse 28, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, but is circumcision merely outward and physical, or nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and a circumcision is circumcision of the heart. To to Paul, it's all about what's going on in your heart. 
A lot of people do things, a lot of things, in the name of Christianity that's ceremonial and outwardly. And they put on a show, if you will, for a lot of people. But for him, that's fine and dandy, but he wants to know what's really going on hard. And guys, I've been in ministry for a long enough to know that young people, teens do it, adults do it, older adults do it, old people do it. A lot of people fake being a Christian. And the next thing you know, they're just gone. They disappear. And you wonder, what was the substance of these acts? Because you see, to Paul, the substance of the act, the real substance of the acts, is what's in the heart of a person, what's really a person's all about. And it's a spiritual thing. And your soul needs to be open to the Spirit of God to be changed. Circumcision, real change, real ceremony happens in the heart, deep inside of a soul. Not by following what you're expected to do by the elders of the church or by a written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people. It's from God. So like I always say, who do you think you're fooling? You might fool people and be real with you. You can probably fool a lot of people a lot of time. But the reality is, people can kind of figure you out because of your fruit, your real intentions. And plus, it doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter. I might like you, I might hate you. It doesn't, does it ma- really matter? No, it doesn't matter. I might expect you to do certain things, and I might not expect you to do other things. But does it really matter? Maybe a little bit. I kind of hope you'd respect me that much to think something of me. But in light of God, in light of what God thinks of you, what I think of you is small potatoes. Right? Ultimately, it's God you have to answer to. And ultimately, it's what God thinks of you that should matter. I hope that I have some wisdom to share with you because of my long-term relationship with God. But I could be wrong. I might, I, might be right, I might be wrong, whatever. But the reality is, it's God. Don't try to impress me. Don't try to impress others. Don't try to impress your friends, your families who are Christian. Impress God and him alone. And once you, once you have a, that impression, everything else will trickle from that. And you don't have to stress and worry about it. In 1 Corinthians 7, nevertheless, in verse 17, each person should live, a, live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them, just as God has called them. This is the true or this is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? Then he should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. Basically, what we say about these ceremonies is they don't really matter. If you put some, if you put some value to them, and you, it's something that's really important to you, it's important to you as a church you know, group, that's cool. But ultimately, as far as God's concerned, they're meaningless. But what's important to God is this, keeping his commandments. In other words, obedience to God. That's important to God. So, And that's a big issue with, 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 with the historical Israel. He kept on complaining to them. Listen, you sacrifice a lot, but your obedience is nil. I'd rather you be obedient than sacrifice. And I think that's the same thing with us. We sacrifice a lot thinking we're really great. But really, are we obedient to him? That's what really counts. That's what we're seeing here. Each person should remain in the situation and where they were, where God called them. So this is some, a couple slides to finish things up. What are you holding on to? What what makes you feel like you're right with God? You know what ceremony, what ritual, what thing that happened in the present that you're holding on to? And you say, I'm a Christian because of my circumcision. I'm a Christian because I was baptized, because I went to this crusade, and I walked down an aisle, because I went on a youth retreat, and I was really pumped up. 
I went on a missions trip with, the, with, with people and it was really amazing and I felt really positive about it. You know, it was a large revival like a Billy Graham or a great glory thing, you know. Was it your conversion? But then once your conversion happened, nothing seemed to happen afterwards. But you keep holding on to that. Your testimonial, a mentor, like, oh, I really remember, you know, I spent a lot of time with this one guy or gal and, you know, my life changed so much for that year. But it's been 10 years <laughs> and nothing's happened. But you hold on to it because it's important to you. And by the way, guys, these things are important. You're right. They are important. But the thing is, if we walk away from them and they just become distant pasts, then we have a problem. Next slide. Well, it's what it's about is about God. Well, here's some of the words that we've seen in this morning's Bible study come up over and over again. Faith. Not ceremony. Faith. Obedience. Not sacrifice. Obedience. Christ. Vision. Looking. Thinking. Perspective. Christ. All about Christ. The Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit of God. Your heart. Your soul. Who you are. It's God. Okay, bear in mind, notice how big God is. The reason why is I, I think being a disciple of God is, being a, is obsessed with God. So how, God, how big can I make God in my life? And this is how we do it. We just trust in him, have faith in him. We obe- are obedient to him. He says to do something, we go, yes, God, because I'm obsessed with you. Christ is God. The spirit is how God interacts with us. It's God. Our hearts, do they belong to God or do they belong to ourselves? In the gospel, the good news, it's all about God. It's not about circumcision, it's not about the law of Moses, it's not about these other things, it's about God. We're just going to finish out this little bit here, guys, and then we'll, we'll complete in the next three minutes, four minutes. So in Acts 15, 12, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God has done among the Gentiles through them. So they were amazed. They were like, this is awesome, guys. And then when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened and chose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. Next slide. Verse 19. So it's in my judgment, says James, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning from God. If you're going to add all these ceremonies and listen to them, it's just going to make it hard on them. What's the point? We can't do it. We shouldn't expect them to do it. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from meat of strangled animals and from blood. Basically, keep them from things that keep them from God's kingdom, which is wise. Sexual morality keeps you from God's kingdom. Idol worship keeps you from God's kingdom. Things, cruelty, <laughs> keeps you from God's kingdom. And that's why I put it as a note here. Basically, they're just recommending culturally at the time to avoid certain things that'll just basically trip them up. And these are the kind of things, by the way, that simply don't work. They don't belong in God's kingdom. 
And there's a list in 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5. I told you there's a list. I told you. I promise you there's a list. And there's a list of, these, of the types of things that just don't belong in God's kingdom. And then he says, but for the law of Moses. So in regards to the law of Moses, and by the way, guys, just to let you guys know, the law of Moses, it's still in our Bibles today, and we still read them. So it's not bad. And they're not saying that the, 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 circum, that the law of Moses is bad. In fact, they say, well, guys, they get the law of Moses every week. It's like we get the Bible every week. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times as read in the synagogues, even on every Sabbath. So, again, their, their intention wasn't to wipe out the scriptures and say, nah, no scriptures, just freedom. Just feel God and everything you do and you're fine. No, they said the, the, the law of Moses is important. And we're, we're not going to chuck it out, but we're not saved by them. We're saved by a real meaningful relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Yeah? In fact, Jesus himself said something like that in Matthew 5, verse 17. Jesus said himself, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I, again, he took the curse on the cross of the law. He fulfilled it. So we can have a real, radical, meaningful relationship with him. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear. Has heaven and earth disappeared yet, guys? No. Not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of pen will, will, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So what we have here, guys, is a real complex relationship between the law in, in, in our relationship with, with God through Christ. So we don't reject the law saying, oh, it's meaningless, oh, it's hopeless. Because the problem is it's full of meaning. That's the reason why it condemns us, because it's, it's filled with lots of moral oughts and ought nots. It's hard. But we don't have a relationship with God. We don't get saved through following these do's and don'ts. We do it through the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So we look at him like Paul did, freely, not legalistically, but freely. And we say, God, I want to be like God. I want to be like you. I want to be right. I want to, I want, I want to be like Jesus. And I know that my right standing before you, Jesus, is through what Jesus has done. He's took all my sins and he's, and he's become a curse because of my ridiculous sins. However, what can I learn from your scriptures? What can I learn? How can I change even a little bit by looking at scriptures? We don't want to be legalists and go around and say, look at, I do all these things and you don't, so I'm better than you. That's completely misses the point. You're free to make sense. Look at the Bible and understand and make sense of it. And in fact, I, they encourage it. They're saying, listen, the law of Moses is read all the time. And they have opportunity to receive it. But what we don't want to do is put the, that yoke of the law that we used to have on us on them. 